Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. This is Shannon, and I am here with Stacy, Kristen, and Brooke. And we are talking about witches because when this episode airs, it will actually officially be October, a nice magical time. And so we are here to share with you some of our favorite books about witches. So I'm going to get into the usual housekeeping information, then I will start us off, followed by Kristen, Stacy, and lastly, Brooke. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So... I had a really hard time picking books for this episode because I read a lot of young adult too. fantasy, <laughs> urban fantasy, like just a lot of these things that have witches. And so I really struggled to find like the things I want to talk about. And I hadn't even really considered this one until Brooke um, brought it up last week. But my first pick tonight is the Alice, Alex Craft series by Kalena Price. And this starts with Grave Witch. So Alex Craft is a grave witch. And basically that means that she can contact spirits right after they have been killed. Um, She can see them, she can help them to cross over, but more importantly, she can summon them um, if she has access to the body. And so she does a lot of work both like on her own and for the police in kind of helping to figure out how people died and the series is set in this city that's called necros and it's (laughs) i know and it kind of has that it does it does (laughs) but it's like a a big city um that kind of reminds me of like any of the big cities that you know we live in except there are magical elements um you know the fae is very Um, is very present. People know about magic. So this isn't one of those cases where, you know, magic is like under wraps. So Alex is working a case that for all intents and purposes, like she shouldn't be working. And there are reasons for that, that I won't get into, but she discovers as this goes on, that there are links to her family from whom she has been estranged for quite a while um and so she's she's struggling not only to solve the case but also to figure out what she wants to do about this link that she has 
uncovered to her family. And her family is very, very prominent in the city. Um, her father is like a big political figure. And Alex is just not, not into that. Um, this series develops over seven books. I have read the first three so far. They all have grave in the title. I really, really enjoy them. Um, I think the concept of like the grave witch and being able to contact the dead in a way that doesn't like bother me in terms of ghosts. Um, I just, I think that Price's <laughs> writing is like very, very compelling and unique and the way that she writes ghosts actually really works for me, um, which is, you know, not, not always the case. Um, there is a little bit of uncertainty in terms of who Alex is going to end up with. I wouldn't necessarily say that there's a love triangle, but there are a couple of possibilities. And even like three books in, I'm not quite sure how it's going to turn out, but I really enjoy this series it's all the things that I love about urban fantasy but with that like fresh spin that just makes it really special so I would highly recommend this um the first book is Grave Witch this is Alex Craft book one by Kalina Price this is on my TBR yes and I need to maybe move it a little bit forward in the queue this looks yeah, really good. like next time you're in that like urban fantasy feel, you know, you want to like hang out in kind of a cool alternate universe. Um, I, I would recommend it. There's some pretty cool magic described. The thing, oh, I forgot to add, and this is kind of important. One of the um, side effects of Alex's magic is that periodically she loses her sight like as her no dear grave, yes as her grave magic gets stronger it takes a toll on her physical sight um and so I wouldn't necessarily say that there's like disability representation here but it is like kind of a different take on like what happens when <clears throat> magic exists in the world and like the way it affects people who use a lot of it interesting My first book tonight is Dead Witch Walking, The Hollows Number One by Kim Harrison. And I, I mean, I really like the first few books. <laughs> um, but this is the first book, and I really did like it. So Rachel Morgan is a witch and a bounty hunter um for bad magical things um vampires demons you name it she'll bring it in alive dead or undead and she she's very young and she's been under the thumb of her boss for a very long time and she's really kind of fed up with him um and so she kind of makes the decision to go out on her own. She has a best friend, Ivy, who is a vampire, of all things. And um, they're very good friends, though they have their moments. Um, and 
when they go out on their own, they make their home in a church. An old abandoned church. And that's pretty cool and all. But she's got a lot of very interesting friends, such as Jinx, the pixie. I love Jinx. And she's got some romance along the way. She's very young, so you'll kind of see her grow up through, through each book, kind of mature a little bit. Um, but all in all, this, this really is a great series. She's learning all of her. She's working on her magic. She's learning more and more about her magic, things like that. And it's really, really a great book to see her evolve the way she does. Um, I wouldn't say it's strictly romance, but there is romance in the book. I will admit that I got, I'm not going to give any spoilers. I got a little perturbed with one of the books I think it's like book five so I haven't finished the series but um I do plan on it at some point I've just got so much else to read so um I will get back to it but I hope you do because you're missing like some of the really stellar stuff that goes on so I hope you do pick it back up I know um so this I just think this series is really good i i would kind of consider it a little bit young adult because trace uh rachel is pretty young but um like i said you see her grow up and and change and mature and she's really good at handling those demons most of the time so um i i suggest people pick this up and and give it a give it a good shot this first book is called dead witch walking the hollows number one by kim harrison but i love this series so much but i love this series so much rachel is young but not not young adult young like she is an adult And there is quite a bit of steam in these books that I think would make them definitely adult literature instead of of YA. Um, But I love this series so much. So like Shannon, I really struggled because I have enjoyed so many books in this genre and I was trying to not read all of the same um, type of book for this episode. But it was hard because I've read so many good books with witches in the past. Um, but the first book that I read that I'm going to talk about tonight is um, a paranormal women's fiction novel. And it's called Witching for Grace, Premonition Point, Book One by Deanna Chase. And this book is surprisingly about a witch named Grace. And Grace lives in a magical town in Northern California. And she, with her her coven, um, which are her two sisters that are not her her sisters in her coven, their names are actually Hope and Joy, so go figure. Um, They have a coven together in this town. And Grace 
has been working for her husband's real estate office for about 20 years and has been giving him the credit for all of the good work that she has done to make him the success that he is. Blah. I know. And (laughs) all of that happens until she finds out that she's been traded in for the younger model. And of course it's so cliche because it's the office receptionist and, you know, just so cliche. So Grace takes a little while to sort of deal with herself and her feelings about this. And she picks herself up and decides that she's going to go work for the rival real estate agency in town. And so she and her friends have a night of like drinking wine and like support before her interview. She gets some really sexy stilettos that are (laughs) sort of magicked into being comfortable because Grace is in her mid forties and she doesn't want to wear uncomfortable shoes, but she loves these heels and they're super comfortable and they make her feel really confident. And um, they, they do a spell together to sort of hope that all goes according to, you know, what's going to be best for her life. And so she starts, she goes in for her interview and her husband, ex-husband has really screwed over this real estate company in the past. And so her prospective boss says the only way that she can work for him is if she's able to move these three haunted properties that he hasn't been able to sell in a significant amount of time. He gives her three months to sell these properties that's the condition on her being hired okay so um so she's like oh my god so she goes to these houses and they're significantly haunted and at the same time she's dealing with a lot of admiration from the younger real estate agent who works in the office with her owen and she's dealing with some issues with her sister and she's just living this very full life she's being flirted with by the silver fox who works at the coffee shop and the, the, you know, um, the widow who she's showing houses to, and she can't stop thinking about this gorgeous younger man. And just when she's in his presence, she's not sure if she's having hot flashes or if like it's his charisma. And so Grace is sort of coming into her own in her mid forties and figuring out like what she wants out of life. And she's also finding out that, holy crap, when she wants something to happen, it's happening. Like the receptionist at the new office is kind of rude to her. And she thinks to herself that flawless skin needs some acne. And then she comes back into the office the next day and there's some acne on her chin. And she's like, Oh my God, did I do that? And then some things happen to her ex-husband and his new paramour that she realizes that she has caused with her anger. And so Grace has to kind of figure that out. She has to sell these properties. She has to figure out how to keep her life on an even keel. She has to help her sister. She has to be a support to her, to um, friends within her coven. And she has to see if it's okay to fall for a younger man. I like this book a lot. Um, I thought the romance was very shallow and fluffy, but what I liked about it was the really strong female friendships and um the way that, you know, different aspects of relationships and love and sisterhood were, were sort of explored throughout this book. It's a quick, short read. It's nothing deep, but it was a lot of fun. And I would encourage you to pick up Witching for Grace, Premonition Point, book one by Deanna Chase. Ah, uh, Deanna Chase. Yes. She has been on my radar for quite a while. She has a few different series that all look very, very good. I want to read the Jade Calhoun series that takes place in New Orleans. I think that looks like a lot of fun. 
Yes, those look very good. Um, and I think there's like a, a spinoff of that too, like that stays in New Orleans. Okay, so my first book tonight is Blood Like Magic, Blood Like Magic, number one by Liesl Sambury. And in this book, our main character's name is Voya. And Voya is a teenage witch. And she, at the beginning of the book, has just come into, um, like, she's ready to come into her powers. But before she does this, she has to successfully complete a task given to her by one of her ancestors. So this all, she gets ready to do it. And she ends up failing her first task, which Aww. is horrifying to her. But yes. um, because then it would mean like she can't be a witch and she ends up being like just a plain person and just a whole bunch of not happy things happen. So it's not normal, but for some reason, her ancestor descends, decides, not descends, to give her another task. And her task is to kill her first love, or sorry, to sacrifice her first love. Um, oh. So Voya is absolutely horrified. Like she has no idea what she's going to do. Because if she doesn't succeed in sacrificing her first love, then her family, the Thomas family, they will lose their magic. They will no longer, it will never, it will no longer continue in their line. And this is not a good thing, obviously. Um, so in the book, we, we kind of learn that, that there's two different types of like witches there's the pure lines and then there's the not pure lines and as you can probably guess the pure lines don't really associate with the not pure ones oh. so one of the reason I mentioned this is because one of Voya's really good friends named I think it was Laura I think it's Laura or Lauren I can't totally remember it's Laura or Lauren she goes missing and Voya wants her family to help um, Lauren, uh, Lauren's family find her. And the reason she thinks that her family can help is because her mother has the ability to find missing things. So she thinks that her mom should help the family. But of course, they're part of the unpure family. So Voya's family being pure does not, they, they refuse to help. Oh. I know. So as I said, her, her mission is to sacrifice her first love. And well, Voya's never been in love. So she doesn't really know how she's going to succeed in this task. Well, and she doesn't even know, like, she's not even thinking about the sacrificing part. She's falling, she's talking about the falling in love part. Well, there's this genetic matchmaking program that has recently come on the market and she decides that she's going to check it out because she goes with one of her cousins and 
her cousin is like this brilliant person that has taken lots of um, university kind of type courses. And she feels that her, her um, cousin could be a lot more than she is. So she's suggested to her cousin that they go and check out this matchmaking company because they also take on interns and getting an internship is gonna help her cousin get bigger and better things. So while there, Voya ends up getting picked as one of the beta people to try out this matchmaking program. Well, she's matched with the like foster son of the head of the program. Oh. I know. So his name is Lucas. <laughs> And Lucas is, he's kind of socially awkward. Like if you look at his reviews on this dating program, he's got like two, two stars and one stars and stuff like that. And Voya's kind of horrified because you only really give a one or two star to like a serial killer. <laughs> so she doesn't know how this is going to work because neither of them can stand each other. So if you want to know what happens, because I don't want to give away anything, then no. you are going to have to read Blood Like Magic, Blood Like Magic, number one by Liselle Sambury. I'm on hold for this at my library. I think there are two more people ahead of me. <laughs> All right. So my second pick tonight is one that I tried to read back in 2018 when we did our very first witch episode. And when I tried to read it then, I really didn't like it. Ooh. Um, I know. And then I came back to it just in a, in a different mood. And now I'm, I'm really glad that I read it. So this is Labyrinth Lost, Brooklyn Bruja's book one by Zoraida Cordova. Bruja. And yes. <laughs> and this is the story of Alex. Now, you know, Brooke has, has done this thing a couple times where she talked about like the, the beginning part of the synopsis. And so I'm going to do the same thing here. Ooh. Um, it says, I was chosen by the Dios. Even gods make mistakes. <laughs> so Ooh. this is the story of Alex. I seem to like books about people named Alex this week. Indeed. And Alex is a teenage witch who hates magic. Um, she is a bruja, so a, um, a witch that follows a specific um, Latin tradition of magic. And she is supposedly the most powerful witch in like more than a generation. And so her family is super excited. She is about to have her death day celebration, which is a big deal in... Um, in the whole like a bruja um i'm trying to think of how to describe it like in in this whole belief system um your death day celebration is a really big deal and it's supposed to be when you like when your magic is confirmed when you kind of come into your own and really begin to understand your powers but alex has a different idea because she as i said hates magic so she decides that instead of doing this really elaborate ceremony that will allow her to claim her magic, she's going to get rid of it. 
no one has ever done this before. And she's pretty sure that no one would even like understand why she'd want to try it. But she does. And of course, as you might imagine, when she tries it, things go terribly, terribly wrong. Her whole family vanishes. Like they're just, they were there and now they're gone. And she doesn't understand how this happened. The only person who she's, uh, who's left is a boy named Nova that she has, you know, kind of seen around, like she knows who he is. He knows who she is. They're not really good friends. She's not sure she can trust him, but he is now the only person who can help her like figure out what happened to her family and hopefully reverse it. Um, I love the, the Latinx culture here. I love hearing about witchcraft that isn't just like the traditional, you know, Wicca or paganism with, you know, European roots. Um, Cordova does a fantastic job of bringing this to life in a way that like, you don't have to have knowledge of this particular belief system in order to really love this book. Um, I also was really happy to see that the relationship that Alex develops with Nova um, is not sort of the romantic arc that you would expect in a book like this. Um, the romance takes a completely different turn than I was expecting. And I loved it so much for that. Um, you start it and you're like, oh yeah, you know, I know where this is going, but you really don't. Um, Alex and Nova embark on this journey, like kind of to the underworld, like the, the realm of the dead. And it was just so, so excellent. Um, like I said, the first time I read it, I didn't really like it. I was afraid that it was going to be like super fluffy and Alex kind of got on my nerves but I think that was more about me in that instance than about the book, because when I did pick it back up, I really liked it. And there are two more books in this series that um, talk about Alex's sisters who you will meet um, in this book. So if you're looking for like a young adult um, novel with witchcraft that isn't sort of just the, the standard stuff you see all the time, I highly recommend this. It is Labyrinth Lost, Brooklyn Brujas, book one by Zoraida Cordova. I actually put this on my TBR, Shannon, a while ago. Oh, it's and so good. It sounds quite good. It is. My next book was such an interesting book and it takes place in France, um, which I know several of the book beastresses will love. This book is called The Vine Witch, Vine Witch Number One by Luann G. Smith. And Elena was the vine witch of a vineyard owned by her family and vine witches um, are usually either part of a family or hired on to help keep uh, grapevines healthy and happy um, so that they produce amazing wine. Um, and 
Elena was blindsided by a curse that turned her into a toad and she had to live in a marsh for seven winters. And when the book opens, this is what we see is this toad in a pond trying to eat. And then something happens and she becomes human again. And she has to figure out whether she's going to return home to the vineyard or what she's going to do. But she does end up going home and she finds the vineyard pretty much in ruin. There's hexes everywhere. Um, and she finds out that her grandmother has put the property up for sale to a gentleman named Jean-Paul. And he is not a believer in witches or magic. He is a science person and magic is not real and he can handle the grapes just fine. Thank you very much. But Elena is like, this is, you know, this is my home. I, I don't want to lose it. And so I have to figure out a way to, you know, help the grapes get better, keep my identity from him a secret. And, you know, once I make things better, then I can kind of show who I am and why the grapes are better. And so there is some romance to this between Elena and Jean-Paul, which is very interesting to watch. Um, and it, it was just a really great story all around. She meets some very interesting people because she at some point has to go on the run for some reason that I cannot recall at the moment. And she ends up at this carnival and she meets another witch that decides to help her out, help her escape, and they become really good friends. So it's just, there's so much to this book. I To, to explain more would just take way too long and probably give spoilers, and I don't want to do that. Um, but I highly recommend this book. It's such a great love story and revenge story and all of that. And her magic with the grapes is just amazing. That is something that I haven't seen before, which is great. So I highly recommend this book. And I have not read the following two books, but I do plan on it. Um which is uh, about one of the people she meets in the first book. So it is pretty awesome. So this book is called The Vine Witch, Vine Witch Number One by Luann G. Smith. So this has been on my radar for a while. Um, I love books about wine. I love books about France. I like books about witches. So I need this. The whole town is kind of, or whatever they call them in France, 
is just very magic oriented. Interesting. And I mean, vine witches are common in that area because of the vineyards. Um, and she's, you know, she was born into this family and into this vineyard. So it's, it's kind of, it's her baby and her home and she just doesn't want to lose it. So it gets really interesting. Um, and there's not too much of a cliffhanger, not anything that's going to make you go, oh my God, especially since all the books are out now, I think. Well, it just sounds very charming and whimsical, you know? It is. And it very, very fairy tale-ish. So, many, many moons ago, when Book Bistro <laughs> was in its infancy, I talked about, and I don't even know if it was for the witches episode or if it was for something totally different. I do not recall. It was not. It was for a books that in schools episode. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, I mean, very infant days of Book Bistro. And yeah, I think it was like our third episode. Third, I know, because I wasn't sure yet how, how body and ribald I could be when talking yes. about <laughs> certain bedroom activities. And yes. so this year I'm going to reprise, reprise my discussion of my one of my most beloved trilogies, and that is the Fairwick Trilogy by Juliet Dark. And I could wax poetic about these books. I feel like they did not get enough love. Um, I don't even know, like, I, I don't know why they're not, like, huge bestsellers. Like, they make my heart so happy. But tonight I'm going to talk about the first book in the series. And that is The Demon Lover, the Fairwick Trilogy, book one by Juliet Dark. This book is about Calix McFay. Um, she goes by Callie. And Callie wrote for her doctoral thesis, a book about the sex lives of various demon lovers. And it got her some fame and some interest. And she was offered a job in the folklore department at a small upstate New York college called Fairwick College in the town of Fairwick. And Kelly sort of feels like, you know, I am like a New York City girl. Like, <laughs> this is not like where I want to be in this sort of falling downtown with this sort of gothic campus. And, you know, this is not where I want to be. And so she's thinking about how she can stall accepting the job until she knows if one of her colleges in New York City um, is going to hire her. But then she sees this gorgeous old Victorian house and she knows it has to be hers. She has to live <laughs> in it. It has to be hers. There's this um, above the front door in the fan light, there is um, the face of a young man that just has completely captivated her. And she recognizes the face from dreams she had during her teen years after her parents died when she would dream of this man coming and just reading her fairy tales and talking to her and helping her through her grief. And she decides that Honeysuckle House has to be hers. And so she very, name. I know. And there are obviously there are honeysuckle vines all over the house and into the woods. And the other thing that really draws her to the house is that it belongs. It was in the, it's in the family of 
a romance writer from the beginning of the 20th century named Dahlia Lamont. And Dahlia Lamont wrote these really dramatic Gothic romances. And um, she gets the opportunity if she lives in this house to review all of her manuscripts and papers, but those manuscripts and papers cannot be taken out of the house. And she's like, oh my God, I have to come to Fairwick. Like, I love all this. And so she moves to this very odd little town and begins to sort of learn about the life and the rhythms of the town and the college and her colleagues and her students. But the issue is Kelly McFay is experiencing nighttime visits, very intense and erotic visits that she at first believes are dreams. And through these dreams, she begins to feel even more drawn to Fairwick and to Honeysuckle House. And it sort of kind of takes over her life until she discovers that what she's actually dreaming about is an incubus who might be draining her life force. Oh, and during all of this, she also learns quite by accident that, oh, P.S., she's actually a witch (laughs) and that her father was Faye. And so she has two distinctive types of magic coursing through her and that she has the ability to open a door into fairy. So she's learning all this while she's also teaching a class on like Gothic romance and she's learning about her students and there's an incubus sort of sucking away her life force as he gives her the best moments of her erotic life. And I'm not get, I'm not doing this book justice, everyone. I just, I don't even know, like, I don't want to give too much away, but this book is about Callie and how she learns to embrace the powers that she has, how she learns more about the origins of the incubus who visits her in her dreams and how she learns to become part of the fabric of this odd little town that she never thought that she would ever belong to. The series is amazing. Um, I just texted Shannon the other day and said, I've read this book several times, the series, and I, I don't want to leave Fairwick and the characters that live there. Like I love it there. And, uh, you know, it, it's about all these different magical people who coexist together in this town, right under the noses of the humans who also live there. So, again, this book, the series is about Callie and how she comes into her powers, how she learns the origins of her incubus, how she basically is going to save an entire town and a magical group of people, and how she is going to learn more about herself and her parentage as well. It's the most amazing thing I've ever read. It's very underappreciated in my opinion. Um, It's just really gorgeous, immersive writing, very Gothic feel. um, And it's just amazing. This is The Demon Lover, the the Fairwick Trilogy book one by Juliet Dark. And it is so gorgeous. I have wanted to read this since the first time you talked about it and I still never have. (laughs) Please someday read it for me. Oh, I really want to. It looks so, so good. And Carol Goodman. Yes. Um, who is the, uh, like, the other name that that author writes under. Um, it's just such 
a talented writer. So I do need to give this one a try. So my next book tonight is Magic Uncorked, Midlife Magic Cocktail Club, number one by Annabelle Chase. And this is a really, really different take on witch, um, witches and how you become a witch. So in this world, witches are not born. They, um, they're made. So our main character's name is Libby. And Libby is kind of a doormat. She's got a horrible, lazy boyfriend who just like walks all over her. And she's okay with that, I guess. And she's got two teenagers who just run her ragged. She's got a job that she hates. It's so boring. And her only real thing that she ever looks forward to each week is her cocktail club that she has with her three friends. And sorry, four friends. So she goes to these cocktail clubs and at the beginning of every session, they do like a, they'll pick one of the, like one of the members and you have to go around and say something good about that person. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then, so they're doing this and all of a sudden their one friend, Inga, who's, who's an older lady, she ends up collapsing. Oh, and we find out that she has died of a heart attack. So this is really sad for them, obviously, because they've been long friends with Inga. Well, they're called by a lawyer one day and asked to come to the office um, to hear Inga's will. And they're kind of surprised because like all they are kind of friends, right? But they find out that Inga has given them her magical assets. Oh. Yeah. She had no idea. Like, they had no idea that Inga was a witch. But what they get is they get each, uh, like, a book, like an empty, no, kind of like an empty hardcover book kind of thing. And when they need it, supposedly their magic will appear. Oh, I know. This is so different. It was, it was, it kind of took me a little bit to get used to just because it was so different. Um, right. Usually people have magic and they can like call on it and like know that it's coming. Exactly. Where you don't really know when it's going to start. Like, but once they have it, then they can call on it. But like, okay. You just but don't, you don't know, know when. when. Exactly. Exactly. So things are just going rough for. Libby and life is just kind of sucking for her and one day she I don't she kind of, she goes and she looks in the book and there's a recipe for a cocktail at the top of the book like at the oh. top of the page sorry so she's pretty excited because yeah obviously like her magic is coming so she wants to know like what's gonna happen so she makes the cocktail she drinks it and things just kind of start kind of falling apart around her. 
But at the same time, things are changing. And I can't really tell you much more because honestly, this is not a very long book. So if I give away too much, then I'm going to give away it all. So this is Magic Uncorked Midlife Magic Cocktail Club, number one by Annabelle Chase. And there's four, four books. There's four books in the series and all of them are out. And I've read book two and book three. And I actually really enjoyed them. Like I wasn't totally sure because it's so different. And also it's so like, it's kind of a happy, like it makes you feel good about yourself after you uh, okay. reading the books because they're, they're normal people having a rough time, but it all like, as you can, like, I'm not giving it away by saying it, but like everything kind of works out in the end. And right. That's the like kind you of book, can like, kind of expect you need that. that. Yeah. So it's like a Stacy book. It is like a Stacy book, like a Stacy Sarah book. Yeah, exactly. Where like things like things go rough and it could get messy, but things kind of all work out in the end. So my last pick tonight um, kind of works nicely with Stacy's la- uh, last book, just because. Ooh. It is also underappreciated in a way that I don't, I just don't understand. So we've talked about this on the podcast before. I think Mika actually talked about it once. Um, But this is Witchmark, Kingston Cycle, book one by C.L. Polk. And if you think about England during the time, like right after the end of World War I, that is sort of the the time period that this book is focused in except it's set in like an alternate world so think about like alternate edwardian england and you have the world of witchmark so our hero is a man named miles and miles was born a witch which is not uncommon But what is uncommon is that he decides to leave the magical life behind. And this is absolutely forbidden in this world. Like if you are a witch, you are bound into this cabal that like rules the world. There's all these unique types of magic that control the weather and control commerce. Um, It's just like a very important thing to be a witch. But Miles really wants to be a doctor. And so he fakes his own death and becomes a doctor at this kind of rundown veterans hospital for men who are returning from a war, which is very similar to, you know, what is known as, as the Great War in British history. So Miles is treating this patient who has been poisoned. And as he's doing this, this patient becomes aware of who Miles actually is and unfortunately exposes him as a witch. And so now he is in a lot of trouble because he's been sort of hiding his magic, you know, being like under the radar as much as possible. And that's very, very bad. So now he's trying to protect himself as well as trying to figure out who is responsible for the poisoning of this man and how this man knew who he was. So there's a lot that's going on for Miles. And then, and then, because, you know, it's never enough to have, you know, all this, he meets 
a really, really gorgeous, enigmatic man who seems to know more than he's telling about A, what happened to this patient, and B, Miles's role in, in the magical world. Um, these are, this is just a phenomenal series. The second book is called Storm Song, and it is about Miles's sister. It is um, like a lovely, lovely female, female romance. Um, but Witchmark is definitely the place to start because this is a series that you won't understand if you try to read it out of order. Um, it's, it's magical. It's sexy in kind of an understated way. Um, and it just really like checked all of my boxes when I read it um, because it, it takes magic and just totally revamps like some of the things that we expect in a book about witches. Um, it's a little bit angsty. So like if you're not looking for something that's like super action packed and is going to, you know, kind of make you wonder if everyone's going to come out okay in the end. Um, you might want to save this for a time when you're looking for something more like that. But it is so fantastic. And I wish that more people would read it so that CL Polk can get like the notoriety that she deserves. This is Witchmark, Kingston Cycle Book One by CL Polk. I started that a while back and I really need to get back to it. It was just, I started oh. it to see how I would like it. And I really did enjoy what I read, but um, I was in the middle of reading some other books at the time. So I never went back to it, but I really, I really, really should. Well, the series is done now. There are three books um, and they're all out. And then she also has a standalone, which looks like kind of a, like a high fantasy uh, called The Midnight Bargain. Yes, yes, I saw that one. That, um, I have that on my wish list on Audible too. Yeah, my final book is a series that I have been super duper into. This is the Betwixt and Between series Yay, by Dorinda yeah. Jones. It is so awesome. Um, so the first book is called Betwixt, Betwixt and Between Number One by Dorinda Jones. And this, um, Goodreads says it is a paranormal fiction with glamour and a lot of sass. So, it is pretty glamorous and um, Defiance is quite sassy. Very, very sassy. And so is her friend Annette. I love Annette. Um, but Defiance is now divorced She's 40 years old, and she is a previous restaurateur that her husband pretty much stole her restaurant out from under her during the divorce. Oh, so, jerk. I know. Um, so she's pretty much left with nothing because he got everything. And she finds out that she has been left... A house by a stranger in Salem, Massachusetts. Yay! And 
so she decides to go check it out because, I mean, she has nothing to lose, right? Um, so she goes from Arizona to Salem to check out this house, which turns out to be pretty much a mansion. And the lawyer in charge of, you know, who this um, house goes to is practically begging her to take it because she is terrified of the house. (laughs) And so Defiance is like, okay, what the hello? I have nothing else. Might as well give it a shot. So she takes on the house and she has three days to back out of it. Um, but once she moves into this house, she starts to learn about its quirks, so to speak. And the house is inhabited by her dead grandfather's ghost. But he's the house itself. He's not an actual ghost. He's just like... It's almost like the house is possessed, but not really in a bad way. Um, And his name was Percy. And the way he shows himself um, and the way he protects Defiance and all the people living in this house is there are vines of black roses that just appear out of the wall. Um, around the house, up and down the the banisters, things like that. And he's kind of learned to communicate with Defiance through these vines of roses. It's really pretty cool. Um, But a lot of people in this town are terrified of House Percy. (laughs) And Defiance finds out that she is a witch, which she never knew, but she is one of the most powerful witches to ever live. There's only three of her type of witch in the whole world, and she has never known this. And she finds out a whole bunch of family secrets Um, Once she moves into Percy and her best friend comes with her, Annette, and she is, Defiance is pretty enamored with the live-in handyman because he's hot. If if that's like an understatement. Um, (laughs) And he is a shifter. And what she loves so much is that he walks around in a kilt. And she is obsessed with getting a look at what's under the kilt. And he's pretty enamored with her, too. But it takes a while to get there. So there's definitely some romance in this book. There's family secrets. um, Defiance is fathers are um are gay and they adopted her when she was three years old 
And she finds out a lot of family secrets and just so much happens. It's really hard to explain it all, but it is such a good book, such a good series. Um, The books do end on some cliffhangers, the first two at least. So um, the third one is out. I haven't got to the end of it yet, but the fourth one will be about her friend Annette so I don't think there's going to be a serious cliffhanger at the end of number three but this is just the most lovely book that I have read in a long time and there's just so many sassy parts that I adore and will make you belly laugh so I highly recommend picking up this book and the first one is called Betwixt, Betwixt and Between Number One by Dorinda Jones. I need so, to read this. You do. Yes, and you do. This is to me like um, one of the best offerings in the paranormal women's fiction subgenre. I just, I think um, Dorinda Jones did an amazing job. She doesn't like, talk about defiance's age like every other paragraph um it's it's just about a woman coming into her power and coming into her own um a little bit later in life with with best friends and um a love interest and just a community kind of along for the ride and it's just such a good series i love it so much so i sometimes find a series and I get so obsessed with it. I just have to binge it like really quickly and I can't do anything else, but sit in a comfortable place with whatever time of day um, beverage I have and just, you know, read and read like I can't do anything else. And that's what happened when I discovered, and I'm so sorry, I'm going to butcher the last name. It's like Oseus Chronicles um, by Ivy Escher. And I think everybody needs to read this trilogy. The first in the trilogy is The Bone Witch. And this book is about Lennox. And Lennox is a masseuse. And she's just kind of working her humdrum job, extra shifts. And she comes home from working an extra shift one day at her chain massage therapy place. And she walks into her apartment, like basically dragging her poor tortured body up the stairs to her apartment. She's ordered some shrimp scampi to be delivered. And she walks into her kitchen, dreaming of the bubble bath she's going to have. And she sees the velvet pouch sitting on her table. Oh. And she flips out because this very distinctive velvet pouch holds the bones. And what this means is that her Grammy Ruby, her Grammy Ruby, who just sounds like a wonderful human being, has passed away and the bones have chosen Lennox to be the next bone witch in the family. Now, Uh Lennox never thought the bones would choose her. She thought they'd choose her snooty cousin. And so she hasn't paid attention to her her Grammy Ruby's teachings. She's just living her mundane life giving massages and not wanting to be a witch. But once the bones have chosen, there's no turning back. And what this means is that she will be able to 
use the bones to help people, but she can also do things with bone magic. So if there are, you know, bones of ancestors around, or if there are animal bones in the woods, she can use them to pull magic and to do things with that magic. So she is going to go and kind of figure out what's happening. She's grieving. She's distraught. And as she's still trying to process the fact that A, Grammy Ruby is dead and B, that she is now, like her whole life is going to change because she's going to have to step into her grandmother's footsteps. She's going to have to, you know, work at this potions shop. She's going to have to, you know, whenever the bones call her, she has to go and help people. It's sort of like tarot reading, but with these bones. Interesting. And she walks into the shop and is greeted by a green-eyed, mysterious man named Rogan, who right Ooh. off starts doing some sort of shady things to get her to help him with something that he needs help with. And so this first book in the trilogy is about how Lennox is sort of learning about how to use her magic because she's never paid attention to the lessons. It's about, you know, can she trust Rogan, who's doing some things that seem a little shady, it's about learning how to communicate with the bones. And it's about learning that she has stepped into something more dangerous than she has anticipated. And that's all I'm going to tell you about this trilogy because I want you to read it. I don't want to give spoilers. I want you to love it like I did. Ivy Asher is an amazing author. She has written a couple other series that are reverse harem. So um, this is not reverse harem, just in case you need to know that. And uh, it's just really well done. The magic system is very interesting. Um, the just it's, it's nonstop action with a, with a slow burn um, sort of enemies to lovers vibe about it. Um, everything about it is just really well done. And the writing is very tight. The plotting is great. Um, the, the characters are very um, dynamic and interesting and well fleshed out. And I, I just think if you like, sort of a cross between urban fantasy slash paranormal romance, like you have to read these books. So this is the Osseus Chronicles um, by Ivy Asher. And the first book in the series is The Bone Witch. And I, you can ask my book beastress friends, like I, um, I sang the, just the praises of this series nonstop in our our staff thread last week that we chat on. I just, I love it so much. And I think everyone should read the series. It's so good. So is it definitely is it in, what I'm picking is it up. In audio? It's audio. It's the first two books are currently available in audio. Um, I had to read the first book through Kindle, but if you have Kindle unlimited um, you can read it that way. Um, I just couldn't wait for it because um, the, wow. the books do end on cliffhangers. So unless you're yeah. prepared to dive right in, um, you know, you, you're, you're going to need to read this back to back because of the cliffhanger endings. My last book is Black Hat, White Witch, Black Hat Bureau, number one by Haley Edwards. Oh, I'm glad you did this one. I, I liked it. I thought it was really cool. So in this book, our main character's name is Rue and she used to be part of the Black Hat Bureau. And kind of the organization motto is the only way you're going to leave the organization is, an, is in a pine box. 
Oh. Well, in Rio's case, it's been 10 years. And see, she thinks that that she's she's done with the Bureau. Like, she hasn't heard from them in 10 years. So when she walked away, she thinks she's okay. But then one day, her former partner, Clay, um, comes to her door. And one thing I was going to tell you about Clay is he's actually literally a clay person that becomes a person. Like a golem. Yeah, that's what it is. I couldn't remember what it was called. So he's a golem, and it's really kind of interesting because sometimes he'll sacrifice himself to save his partners because he'll come back the next day. That's pretty cool. I know. I think everyone should be a golem. They could be. (laughs) So he comes to Rue's door. And Rue is not happy about this because she has made a life for her, for herself and um, her little girl, Colby, um, which I'm going to tell you more about Colby in a bit. Um, And she's made a life for them in a small town and she owns an apothecary and things are just like, nobody knows her past and she's happy about that and she just wants to be normal like normal in her eyes anyway so clay comes and he he is so happy to see her just because they had a great relationship they were just the best of friends and they always looked out for each other and it was been really hard for him not being able to see her for these past 10 years so he's all excited um and she's pretty nervous she doesn't know what like what's going on um but clay has some bad news for her there is a copycat killer on the loose and it's related to her last um her last case um she there was a serial killer who was snatching little girl like little kids and turning them into um different like animals or insects or whatever and then he would like put them on display kind of thing it was it was kind of creepy it was kind of weird and kind of creepy so his name was silver stag and rue rue killed him and so some some things happened in that case that made her no longer want to be a black witch so she has changed her life and become turned into the white witch side and she, now that Clay has come to her, she doesn't know what she's going to do because they need her help because they feel she's the only one that is going to be able to capture and kill this person before they get, um, because she was the one that captured and killed the uh, silver stag. So why I mentioned Colby is Colby is part of the reason that Rue has stopped um, being part of the Bureau, and also why she refuses to do Black magic anymore, even though that's kind of her, her, birth, her birthright, right? That's what she was, um, and she was very good at it. Colby is actually the last child that the Black Stag stole. Um, Colby was a, just a normal human child until the Black uh, the silver stag got her and turned her into a moth. So, oh. yeah. So 
to save her because what he would do is he would take their spirits and then they and stuff like that so in order to save Colby because she didn't want her to get like locked up in the supernatural jail because she's different and people wouldn't want different she took her and she bonded her with her to be able to save her also to save her soul um, or spirit she bonded her to herself as her familiar oh but they haven't yeah but they haven't gone through the actual familiar um process so she's just kind of like taking care of her so she treats her like her kid and honestly colby is hilarious she's like um she's like uh Dungeons and Dragons um, and other video games addict. So, yeah, so Rue has like a room set up for her and all this stuff where she's got all things that her, is her size. So I'm going to stop there and you'll, you'll get to read about what Rue does and if they're able to capture this copycat. If you read Black Hat White Witch, Black Hat Bureau, number one by Haley Edwards. Min, who used to be on the podcast, um, really liked Haley Edwards and recommended her to me. And I read her um, Bayou, what is it, like Bayou Born? Right. Um, and I really liked it. So I do want to check out the rest of her stuff. Yeah, I'm going to, I want to check out more of her stuff as well. And this concludes our witchy episode for this year. Um, We try to bring this back around Halloween each year. So I'm sure we'll talk about witches again sometime soon because there are so many great books to talk about. Um, Thank you to Stacey, Brooke, and Kristen for finding so many fantastic books for this episode. Thanks, as always, goes out to Christine for all of her editing. And of course, thank you to each and every one of you who joined us as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm